Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Rebooting the Treatment of Relapsed Refractory Multiple Myeloma, a new look at novel cerebellum-targeted agents. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Bristol Myers Squibb. Hello, I'm Dr. Sagar Lonial from the Winship Cancer Institute of Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's begin with reviewing the current treatment landscape for relapsed and refractory multiple myeloma. Relapsed disease really involves increase in the M protein by the measurements listed here in the slide, as well as the use of free light chain as a sign of progression, or for non-secretory patients, an increase in the absolute percentage of new bone marrow plasma cells, or by imaging the development of new extramedullary plasmacytomas, hypercalcemia, or new bright lytic lesions. When we talk about refractory disease, what we're really focusing on is disease that has progressed or non-responded within 60 days of the last treatment in patients who had already achieved a response to their previous therapy. So subtle differences between relapsed and refractory. Refractory means that that agent alone is no longer useful for that patient. Relapse means that the myeloma has grown back, but it may or may not necessarily be in the context of active therapy. So when we think about recommendations of management for first relapse, in many ways, it depends on whether or not a patient is sensitive or refractory to lenalidomide. For patients who are not refractory to lenalidomide, then len-based combinations such as DRD or KRD potentially are important options. There are a number of other ones, including elotuzumab plus Lendex, esituximab plus Lendex, or even pomalidomide plus bortezomib DEX. For patients who are refractory to lenalidomide, we then likely go to proteasome inhibitor-based combination. When you get to second or higher relapse, using agents that have not yet been used and the patient is not resistant to certainly becomes the standard approach. Alternatives include things like chemotherapy-based approaches, belantabab methadotin for highly resistant patients, as well as potentially using CAR T-cells or in the subset of patients that has 1114 translocation, the use of venetoclax. In summary, it is very clear that we do have at least two more lines of therapy beyond induction therapy, consolidation, and initial maintenance therapy. When you get beyond the proteasome inhibitors, IMIDs, and anti-CD38 antibodies, the options are quite limited. And this does, in fact, represent a significant unmet medical need where new or novel IMID-based approaches can be of value and will be discussed in the next session. This session will review current unmet therapeutic needs for patients with relapsed and refractory myeloma despite the plethora of therapies available. We know that the effects of IMID-based regimens on progression-free survival have really significantly improved outcomes for patients, as you can see in this table. And certainly the Pollux trial gives us a median progression-free survival of over four years, which is some of the best PFSs we've ever seen in relapse disease. And we know that other partners with either lenalidomide or pomalidomide represent significant advances for patients across the board. But at the same time, we also recognize that outcomes in triple-class refractory patients, as viewed from the locomotion study, 
represents a significant sobering moment for many patients with myeloma, where the median progression-free survival is less than six months and the median overall survival is often less than nine months for these patients in aggregate. And this clearly represents potential unmet medical needs. Additionally, we recognize that there are adverse events associated with currently approved IMID agents, such as lenalidomide, thalidomide, or pomalidomide, that often limit our ability to deliver this in the long term. And those are obviously seen in heme toxicity, particularly for len and palm, and in non-heme toxicity as well with thalidomide. But we know with chronic administration of drugs like lenalidomide and pomalidomide, we often do see the development of some neuropathy. We also see the development of GI toxicity, particularly debilitating diarrhea in patients on maintenance lenalidomide and cytopenias become more prominent for patients who are receiving pomalidomide. So alternative strategies to make IMIDs more tolerable as well as potentially overcome resistance are really clearly needed in order to move forward with management of patients with triple-class refractory multiple myeloma. In summary, we have seen some very positive movements forward on the PFS and overall survival outcomes, in large part due to IMID-based combinations, but we know that IMIDs don't work for everybody, they don't work forever, and they are associated with potential toxicity. And for this reason, we need new drugs, new targets, and new agents that will hopefully be able to move us to the next era of immunotherapy-based approaches and novel Cerebron targeted agents as well. And this will be covered in the next session. This session will discuss novel Cerebron E3 ligase modulators or cell mods being investigated in relapsed and refractory myeloma, providing an overview of their mechanism of action in comparison to IMIDs and the evidence for how cell mods may address resistance that persists with existing treatment options. We know that the cell mod class, as well as the IMID class in general, all bind cerebron. And we know that downstream markers of activity of cerebron or suppression of cerebron includes the two most common targets, Icaros and Ialios. And what we know about agents such as CC220 or ibertamide or CC92480, now known as mesigdamide, is that they seem to be more potently able to target cerebron and at the same time impact more rapid degradation of Icaros and Ialios, which leads to both immune modulation and anti-tumor effects in the context of myeloma. Now, when we look at, again, preclinical data for both ibertamide and CC92480, what we see is enhanced immune stimulatory activities for both. We see rapid degradation of substrates, increased activity in combination with daratumumab, and more importantly, increased activity of CAR T-cell-based therapies. These are in development for 480. This likely will also be there as well, but certainly has been demonstrated with ibertamide in early studies as well. What I think we notice with these new cell mods, both ibertamide and CC92480, is enhanced potency and binding affinity for cerebron that translates into deeper suppression and degradation of Icaros and Ialios, which translates into better anti-tumor activity and the ability in vitro to overcome drug resistance to the currently available imids such as lenalidomide and pomalidomide. In the next session, we'll see what happens when you apply these agents to clinical patients with IMID resistance and whether or not we can overcome that resistance in patients with myeloma.
This session will broadly summarize the clinical significance of key preliminary data on novel cell mods in the treatment of relapsed and refractory myeloma. We've already talked a little bit about the potential for these agents, both ibertamide and CC92480, to overcome lenalidomide and pomalidomide resistance. Let's look at real clinical data that may speak to this. The trial that really started this with ibertamide is the CC220MM001 clinical trial. And what we saw for all evaluable patients for Iber plus DEX was an overall response rate of 31.9%. In IMID and in IMID agent refractory patients, we saw 33.3% overall response rate. And in quad class refractory, a 32.4% overall response rate. And what we noticed was not just high responses, but very few non-heme-associated adverse events. And this really gave hope for the idea that these new cell mod classes would be highly effective. I presented some data at ASH this year on cohort D and I of that same MM001 trial for ibertamide and demonstrated that in an expansion cohort of over 100 patients with triple-class refractory myeloma, Iber plus DEX induced a response rate of 26.2%, and in patients who'd seen prior BCMA-directed therapy, Iber plus DEX induced a 25% overall response rate as well. And we've subsequently presented data on Iber in combinations as well that also looks very encouraging with response rates of 45.9% when combined with DARA, 56% when combined with bortezomib, and 50% when combined with carfilzomib. Now, the other agent that's of interest is CC92480, and what we saw in that phase one study was an overall response rate of 21%, but 40% in the MTD and 54% for 480-plus DEX in the recommended phase two dose. And again, these were also triple-class refractory patients, suggesting that both 480 and ibertamide are clearly very active agents in the management of some of these patients. In summary, what we've seen is very active data for these cell mods in patients with triple-class refractory myeloma, which again represent significant unmet medical needs and represents a major goal and focus for many of our research for these patients with triple-class refractory myeloma. And in the next session, we're going to talk a little bit about more clinical significance and preliminary data of these cell mods in the management of these patients as well. This session will provide clinical insights on the anticipated place of these cell mods in the treatment of relapsed and refractory myeloma based on available data. I think it's clear from the last session that both CC220 or ibertamide and CC92480 are highly active even in the context of LEN and POM resistant myeloma. What I think really separates these two cell mods from the previous IMID classes of agents is the fact that these agents do overcome drug resistance from previous agents and have a better adverse event profile than what we saw with both LEN and POM, suggesting that ibertamide might be in many ways an ideal drug to use in the induction therapy setting or in the maintenance therapy setting because of its significant reduction in non-heme adverse events compared to what we've seen with lenalidomide, pomalidomide, and the predecessor, thalidomide. 
At the same time, what we've also noticed with CC92480 is that it seems to have better tissue penetration than any of the other cerebellum binding agents. And this might be highly important in the management of patients with extramedullary myeloma or patients with high-risk myeloma and may be a great salvage for patients who have progressed in the context of ibertamide-based induction therapy. It really is very exciting for us to think about moving these agents earlier and earlier into the treatment paradigm, partnering them with many of the available and developing agents, including bispecific monoclonal antibodies, belantamab mafodotin, or agents that target not just BCMA, but also GPRC5D or FCRH5, and ultimately as a curative strategy in combination with CAR T-cells or other cell-based therapies in general. So I think the future for these agents is really quite bright, and combining them and using them earlier in the disease paradigm represents significant improvements for patient quality of life, and ultimately, we hope, for more curative strategy in the management of myeloma. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.